Right. Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you very much for your invitation to come and share with you today. Um, when Alex and I uh, were in communication about this last year, uh, the main thing that I asked to come and do was really to say thank you so much for your gift last year that helped us to build a, a church for a, a new church in, uh, in Romania. Um, I also wanted just to say thank you very much for your partnership with us over the years in your support of Simon and Becky Lunt and in the various gifts you've given to projects in different places including India, Moldova and Algeria and also the ship too. So the um, first thing I wanted to do was... I've got to turn that on. There we go. Um, I just wanted to give you a very brief insight into what you helped us to do last year. And this was to build a church. Really, it was an answer to prayer. So we had a team from a church in Norwich who were willing to go. And we had a prayer from a church in Romania needing a building. And the team from, from Norwich were willing to build it, but they neither of them were able to raise the funds to actually do it. And at the same time, you came to us willing to give your offering to us. And so it was, it was a match made in heaven, if I can use that term, that God brought all of these pieces together to enable this fellowship to, to have a church. Prior to this, they, they had um, tens of people meeting in the rain for their uh, church services. They didn't have a building. At most, they could squeeze into a nine-meter-square room. And, uh, and now they have, um, this was before, during, and then after, with the gift you gave, they're able to, to buy the building, refurbish it, and also build it, an extension on the, on the end. At the um, quick story, at the, at the dedication service, the, the building was finished an hour before the dedication service was due to start. Um, the pastor met a young 17-year-old boy during the day. He was busy going around inviting people to the service. And uh, this boy was on his way to meet his friends at the river for a drinking session. And after a, a chat, he decided to come to the service instead and gave his life to Jesus. So we, we give thanks to God for that. And the next day, at the first church service, six more people gave their lives to Jesus. There were 35 children at the Sunday school. And every week now, they have around that number who are meeting together. Um, they also do a, what they call an agape meal, which is an, is an invitation to the community to come and be fed. This is in a very poor, pre predominantly Roma community just outside Bucharest. And they have 50 people coming for the, the agape meal every Sunday, um, even as we speak. So you'll be pleased to know that as we're talking about them today, they're also praying for us, as are the church in, in Kosovo that I'm going to tell you about in a few minutes as well. So on behalf of them, thank you very much for, for your giving last year. Um, this year, um, we again, thank you so much for just being willing to give and partner with us in our mission around the world. Uh, OM, as you saw from the video, and I think in keeping with your own heart, just want to bring the good news of Jesus to as many people in as many nations. Um, the shape and nature of our ministry has changed a little bit since the early days, where it was mostly about literature distribution and evangelism, and we still do an awful lot of that, but it's become a lot more holistic and, and what mission theologists call integral mission. And so we do a lot of justice and social action and tran more 
things that help to transform a whole community and to deal with people in their, in their brokenness. And, and this is really what this project is about this year. Um, Mike's reading from Isaiah uh, 41 is very um, appropriate for this ministry because the context of the prophecy was a message to the people of Israel in their brokenness. It was a time, um, the prophecy was about over a hundred years before they were exiled to Babylon. And yet this spoke into their situation. In They'd been scattered, they'd been broken as a nation, they were disillusioned and in despair. And that is very much how we find uh, women who have been abused um, and trafficked in Kosovo. Scattered, away from home, broken and in despair. And uh, this ministry came about because our, our team there, our, our leaders, um, are a Colombian couple. Einar um, is a pastor and Clara is a trained Christian counsellor. And in their outreach, she would go to the local shelter, women's shelter, and uh, she would meet there and, and provide Christian counselling to women who had fled from an abusive situation. And by doing that, she realised that um, they could only stay in the shelter for six months. That was the maximum that they were able to stay. And at the end of that six months, they would have a very stark choice as to either they would have to go home to their um, abusive husband or family members, or they would have to return to their own family. Either one was going to end up, they would be deemed to be bringing shame upon their families either way because of the cultural, the honour and shame culture that they have there. And, um, and the only other option they would have is to go it alone. And in Kosovo, which is ethnically Albanian mostly and, uh, and also Muslim, um, that's a very difficult thing for a woman to live outside of a marriage and also a family unit, particularly if they have children. And so the vision came for the House of Joy to be a, almost a rehabilitation place for two to three years where they could live. And in that time, they could receive additional counselling and therapy. They can learn skills and learn how to run their own business or, um, for some of them, learn to read and write for the very first time. And uh, it was set up about 18 months ago and currently has five women living there and two of the women have their children living there as well. And so um, at the moment, one of their priorities is that they're trying to help all five of them either develop a vocational skill or come up with a business idea so that by the time they, their three years is up, in addition to all of their counselling and therapy, they'll actually be able to um, live independently and fend for themselves and be able to, to generate an income to look after their children and to look after themselves. So it's a, it's a very significant ministry. Um, I've got a really in fascinating story to share with you from one of the ladies. Um, because in the midst of all of this, the amazing thing about the counselling is um, it's Christ-centred counselling. And um, Clara, who does it, she, has, she went there with the knowledge of the authorities who are Muslim, knowing that she was Christian and that she was going to be uh, counselling people in the name of Jesus and also with the word of God. And, and they were happy for her to go there and to minister to them. So even that in itself is a, 
is a, a huge door opening uh, for God to step in. And through this, of course, um, a number of them have come to faith in Jesus because they've experienced God working powerfully in their lives to bring healing and restoration. Um, the, um, one of the interesting pictures, I'm sure some of you will have watched George Clark on television and his program Restoration Man, where they meet with people who have found these derelict and run-down buildings and uh, with a lot of love and a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time and energy, um, they transform these buildings into something of beauty and something that's livable and something that is, is functional. And, uh, and that's a, an interesting picture of what God is doing in the lives of women through this ministry. The, um, the blue um, picture here is, is actually the verse from Isaiah 41.10 about fear not, I am God, I will strengthen you. And this is a daily reminder for women living in the house that God is with them and he's not forsaken them and he's, he's strengthening them for life. And they're learning that he is a God of, of mercy. Um, one of the key uh, therapies that they do in the house is, is art and creative arts therapy. And uh, they're finding that, again, like the, the words of Isaiah, where God has promised to make rivers flow on barren heights, that they are tapping into creative abilities within themselves that they just didn't know existed. And uh, the amazing thing, I think, about that passage of the prophecy is about the barren places all of a sudden becoming fruitful and full of life and, and trees and plants and, and fertile again. And again, it's a, a very powerful picture and a metaphor of what uh, God is doing in the lives of, of women. He's, he's taking them from a very barren and broken place. He's restoring and strengthening them, and, but also he's helping them to be fruitful and creative. Um, and this uh, testimony that I'm going to share with you really um, speaks quite powerfully of that as uh, a lady has met Jesus. So her name is Lumturia, and she said, Would you recognize Jesus if you saw him? One evening after living four months in the program in the house, I woke up in the middle of the night for no reason. I wandered down to the living room, and in the corner, I suddenly saw a man standing by the stove. At first, I was terrified. How did he get into the house? Did I leave the window open? But he was wearing a white robe that was more brilliant than sun-washed snow and was moving gently in an unfelt breeze. He said, Hadji, come. And then he said to me, you cannot go on two roads. After that, he disappeared, and I was wondering who it was and what I saw. And in the morning, I told my caregiver, who is a Muslim, and she said it was Jesus. I was stunned. Why would Jesus show himself to me? And then the other workers who are Christians agreed it was Jesus. And, uh, and she said, if I'd known it was Jesus, I would have talked to him more. I exclaimed, but truly, I could not stop glowing inside. Jesus came to me. He told me to come to him. And after she prayed with the team members and gave her life to Jesus, she went upstairs for her art therapy session. And she drew a picture of the Lord and wrote above it, Jesus is my Lord. I knew it was true and immediately I shared it with other workers and then my family. 
Um, she, she also goes on to share, when I arrived with my three children in the home, we were all fragile from the abuse of my husband and our transitional time in a local shelter. I could not even read or write since I never had the chance to go to school. And now I'm just bursting with all the things I'm learning from reading and writing to maths to sewing my own dresses and purses to support my family. Even bigger than all those things, how could I have known that when I came to this house, I would meet Jesus? How could I have imagined that he was waiting to meet me? Such a powerful story of encounter. Um, we hear these many places around the Muslim world where uh, the Lord is just appearing to people with in v- dreams and visions and, and then needing to find people to help interpret what it all means, but then making that step of faith as well. So one of the exciting things that's happened with this through that is, um, I'll just skip on to this, is that um, we've been able to plant a church in Pea um, through, because of the number of women and their, their children and families who are coming to faith. Um, one really impacting story is a, a lady called Ermira who left her home because she was being beaten by her husband and met uh, Clara in the shelter. Um, After she had spent six months in the shelter, the decision was made between her father and brothers and her husband's father and brothers that she was to return home to her husband. And um, she was in such a powerless situation um, but she went home, and with the help of Clara and the team, who started ministering to her husband as well, she came to faith. She uh, started going to church. A few months later, her husband started to go to church with her. His heart softened. The beating stopped. Uh, God freed her from addiction to cigarettes. Um, but she also, I actually might just go back one, um, she also started a jam business, a jam making business. So when I first went out to Kosovo, I went to their house and I was taken to their garden because there was some, a small grant that we'd sent to help them do this. And I was in, <laughs> confronted with this thing. And it's a small charcoal oven on the bottom with a big cooking pan on the top. And this is what she was making jam with out in the garden. And it had gotten to the point with her business that a local supermarket chain had started to place orders with her and they were taking it onto their shelves. And so then they took me into an outbuilding where they'd been converting one of the outbuildings into a a commercial kitchen. And uh, they were trying to upgrade it to meet the health and safety requirements of the supermarket for the manufacturing process. Just an incredible, incredible story. and, but the best thing about it was her husband was going into business with her. And she all of a sudden had esteem and honour within her family because she was um, strengthened and she was bringing in income and she was bringing dignity to the, in, to the whole family. So her whole situation was turned from one of powerlessness to one of strength. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite, quite an incredible thing. Um, one last thing um, other than again saying thank you so much for uh, your giving going to this project this year um, 
I had a really encouraging experience when I went there last August. And uh, I went to a training meeting that the team were having with some of the the local believers one morning. And they were um, training them in a discipleship program, which is all about disciples who make disciples. And so what would happen is that as one of the, uh, as the women were discipled, um, they were to then immediately share the lesson with somebody else. And I heard about one of the women who was in the house who was received her discipleship lesson for the day. She would get straight on the phone to her sister. She would share the lesson with her sister. And then her sister would share it with a cousin somewhere else in the country. And um, we're seeing already through these family units, you know, um, that the gospel is spreading very, very quickly. So um, what I'd like to ask or encourage you to do as you pray is to just remember to pray for Kosovo in three ways. Um, One, if you could please pray for the government and the authorities of Kosovo. It is um, a broken place. It is slowly growing, but it has many, many economic and social problems. And there's a lot of corruption in the country, including in the government. So please pray for transformation of the government and the authorities. Uh, I think the other thing is to pray for the growth of the kingdom. There are a number of churches that have planted over the years and are growing with a lot of, with particularly young people coming to faith. Um, So just please pray for the growth of the church. And then lastly, of course, pray for the House of Joy, the women's project that uh, your giving is going to this year. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. They are saying prayers for for you today as well. And they're just so excited that uh, we have the opportunity to partner together this year in their work as well. Thank you very much.